The following show is a cheap way to get more downloads. The following is a presentation of Morning Drive Media. And now it's time for the show that Ken Napsack is actually, well, actually proud of. That's rare. It's Saturday Night Napsack. Hey, Saturday Nighters, I'm thrilled to be presenting you with the best of Saturday Night Napsack Volume 1. But before we start to kiss this show's own ass, we're happy to be welcoming our sponsor for tonight's show, Dreams. Anything you want to accomplish in life starts with a dream. Yes, there are challenges, obstacles, and maybe even failures and disappointments ahead of you. But everything begins with a dream, and we're proud to be partnering with Dreams for this episode. My dream to be an average podcaster with limited voice acting skills didn't just happen overnight. It began with the dreams of a 14-year-old boy that didn't like leaving his house and just wanted to stay in his room recording silly shows with even sillier voices. And look at that. Only 30-plus years later, including an unfortunate stint as an improv teacher, I'm right where my dreams wanted me to be. This can be you as well. All you have to do is sign up for a Dreams account. Dreams is offering this exclusive deal. Try the first month for only $19.99 and see how you like having dreams to inspire you, lift you up, and drive you forward. After that, if you like it, and we know you will, the price just goes up to $99.99 a month. A fair price to pay for a lifetime of success. Just like me. Also, check out my Patreon page at patreon.com. I should have stayed at my old job. Dreams are important, so don't delay. Go to dreams.gov today to start your account. Act now and use the promo code CLUELESSKEN, that's Clueless with a K, to get an additional 10% off your first month of dreams. Try dreaming big and see where it will take you. Offer void in 2020. And now, on with the best of Saturday Night Napsack, Volume 1. All right, friends, man, I am actually legitimately excited about this. This started as, man, should I just put together a clip show? to give myself a Saturday night off and tell you what, here's here's where we're at. I'm so excited about this, I'm not even using it to take place of another show. That's how much, how much fun I've had doing this show, and I want to thank all of you who have been with me through uh, 28 episodes of Saturday Night Napsock. The first three or four were called Saturday Night Special, and fortunately I changed that. It was part of the Saturday Night Special lineup here, and, 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 you know, I, I was just, that was basically just a way. Here's, here's how that began. I'll take, you want the behind the scenes story? If I had more time, I would have done a, a documentary on this. Maybe, maybe we'll do that when we hit 50. Uh, the documentary, The Making of Saturday Night Napsack. I needed more content. Yeah, you know, I get a couple cents per click for the anchor ads. And I was like, well, if I just do one a week on a Wednesday, like I, I, I always do. I'm not going to be able to eat. So let me do some other stuff. And then, you know, I love doing the interviews. I've got some interviews lined up at, at the time of this recording. I've got some cool interviews lined up for the Knapsack Files. Some shorter form ones. I've got probably a longer one with a friend of mine who's been through a lot. I, I have my, my friend's wife who went through this uh, amazing uh, uh, breast cancer procedure and recovery. And all this. I, 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 I've been getting ready to sit down with her, and then the pandemic hit. I just don't. I don't want to do it remotely. I want to do it in person. I've got some serious, great interviews coming up here on the Napsack Files. I love that. I've had fun interviews, silly interviews, all of it. And I think a lot of people found inspiration in both 
you know, the interview with my therapist or me talking about depression, uh, me kind of talking, rambling through things on three things. Uh, and other times you've just been entertained by the silly little stories, right? And the inside stuff, if you're a fan of the old schmoes stuff and that world and the personalities. It's it's fun stuff, and I love presenting that to you. But along the way, I just I, I also have this side to me that is silly and stupid, and it's a sketch comedy brain, and it's a radio brain, it's a radio parody brain, and I just wanted to start doing Dutch Allen, which is fun for me. I know it's not everyone's cup of tea, and I always say that like it's some weird, you know, self-loathing kind of preface. But I, I know it's not as, you know, received. And sometimes I ramble and it's an improv-based character. And, oh, yeah, I mean, Dutch is real. I, I apologize. Dutch is real. Um, but, you know, it goes to different spots. Nolan Guthrie comes along. The Mysteries in the Unexplained show. I want to do, I wish I could do that show every week. And I could, right? I could. There's nothing stopping me. But I just felt, you know, my numbers started to go down. And I wanted to talk to everyone about it. Like, yeah, you know, I'm telling you the truth. My numbers started to go down. But that, that's also because there's more people listening to more podcasts now, and there's a lot more people in my circle doing shows. They have Patreon pages, and you know all of them. When I launched the Knapsack Files, you knew, if you if you listened to me, you knew Mark and Christian, you knew the Schmoes, and then you knew Makuga, Riley, and Tiffany, and then JTE, and some other folks, and then, you know, Cody Hall, and Christian Rubicoblin, and Andres Cabrera, and RB3, they start to sh- show up, and others, Alicia Malone, and that world, and then the Schmoes Don't Network becomes popcorn, before it becomes popcorn talk, that emerges, and, and now, look where we are, five, six years later. We are in a world where I am, I am not a unicorn, I never was. Podcasts existed before the Knapsack Files. I think there's just a lot more places to listen and, and things and people to listen to and support. So along the way, I was like, why, why not use my airwaves to do what I want to do in terms of silly comedy and see where it goes? And just a little less pressure, unscripted, do some character work, do some parody stuff. The motivations with Ken, which is something I, I love and sometimes I, I love them and sometimes... The one I just did recently here on, on SNN wasn't my favorite. I had to get back in the rhythm, and, you know, it is what it is. And it reaches a small amount of people, and I, and I, know, I know that. It's not what you expect from me. Uh, you, if you find me because of Jedi Council or you listen on Force Center, and mostly Jedi Council, Schmoes, Screen Junkies, Movie Talk, and you found me there, and you, and you saw me screaming about Brad Pitt's age while I was drunk, and you tune into my channel, and there's a weird voice Remember my uncle, my uncle was listening. You see, I, you know, I didn't know he listens much to my podcast. He called me one day. He's like, there's, you got some weird older guy that's on that. Who is that? And I was like, oh, that works. <laughs> Dutch is real to you. And I love that. You know, and I know that's kind of the feel. So I don't want to take this best stuff down this negative route. I just feel no comedy. I'm being honest with you all here. And that's where this came from. And it was just, let me just slide. I brought in, and I did some different interviews. And along the way, Along the way, I started thinking back to other stuff I, I did in radio. Uh, the sports reporting, which was done much like the Schmoes movie news. That's actually where it began. The music news and sports reporting over at K-Bear 95 when I was uh, young. And then I got those tapes. I, gra- I have those bag of tapes. I haven't even gone through all the air checks. It's just exhausting. All these air checks from like 95, 96, and 97 when I was on the air. And there were some good old-fashioned 
comedy sketches me and my friends did. Some of them I wouldn't play now. I wouldn't. You couldn't pay me to play now. Uh, other Others I have played on my Patreon page and intend to do more once I can uh, find the time to pull those off the cassette. And I remember, oh, that was so much fun. And I didn't take it seriously back then. When I was in radio, not to get too serious, I didn't take it seriously. I would get off air at 10 a.m., maybe do a little prep for the next day. Occasionally we'd come up with something. And then I'd be gone by 10.30, 10.35 to go play some tennis. I didn't take it serious. And that's kind of a it's kind of a problem of my life, kind of a pattern I have. Do the work, have fun, be serious, be as best as I can be, be as good as I can be. And then I go home and I go on with my life and I go relax and I pl- go play video games and I check out. I have a tendency to do that. I think we all have a tendency to do that, but I have a tendency to play a little small. So I was like, yeah, you know what? I want to start doing more Saturday night knapsack. And then I lost my baseball writing gig, which was a great little fun gig I had for Flag Sports. And it didn't pay a lot, but it paid, you know, a couple couple hundred extra a month. And it was fun. It got my writing chops back going, back uh, back again and got me into baseball again. That led directly into finally making the big push towards Box Score Heroes, which has come out. It's a slow going, but it's there. Um, and so then, you know, I lost that. I was freaking out a little bit. Freaking out about money, number one, but, you know, what I do with myself? What's next? And I thought, you know what? The energy I put into that, this has been a pattern. Maybe you experience this, too, in your life. Sorry this isn't funny. But I'll put all the effort in for someone else or for a boss or a job or a gig or an assignment. Work my ass off. When I wrote that uh, documentary podcast, Steve Austin versus The Rock for uh, Wondery Sports Wars, Worked my ass off because I had to turn stuff in. Why we love Star Wars. I worked my ass off to the point where I had a breakdown because I had to turn stuff in every two weeks. Come hell or high water, no matter, Monday morning, every two weeks, I had to turn something in. But when left to my own devices, I don't do what I need to do. I put things off. I go for the lower level of effort. So Saturday Night Napsuck along the way started to change and I started to find my rhythm, find little things I want to do, find little characters and parody things. This is a radio show at its heart. It's a parody of a radio show. It's having fun with the format. It's a loving parody. Everyone always looks at Christopher Guest's mockumentaries as poking fun and Christopher Guest said, I hate the term mockumentary. I'm not mocking anybody. I'm exploring those characters, exploring the emotions and uh, things that go into the decisions they make and the life lessons they experience and go through and, and, the, and their failures and their foibles. And that's kind of what I feel I do here. It's my wry look at, at the world and, and folks and people who try and people who are uh, just trying to make, make a go of it and are misstepping along the way. So that's kind of where we're at. And that's kind of where this turned into. By episode 10... Uh, I started to actually track the shows, started to write things down and little parody bits that were made up on the fly. Some of the early SNN news report stuff were kind of uh, designed to be a little more off the cuff. I started writing them and instead of playing them live on uh, my stream deck or through the roadcaster, which makes it very easy. I don't have to edit anything. I can just do it all live. F it. We'll do it live. I started to not do that. I started to edit the show and write it. Generally, every Saturday, I get up, maybe have some breakfast, play a video game, 
Grace and I have some coffee. She gets to work on her stuff. And then by 11, 11.30 noon, I get into my office and I start writing Saturday night knapsack. Gotten to the point where I'm trying to dis- discipline myself to get it done earlier in the week because that's my Saturday. It has been my Saturday for most of this run of this show. Work on that and release it right up into the time. I, I used to aim for 8 p.m. Pacific time. Now, 6 to 8 is a good time. In the early days of the lockdown, remember them? It's like another decade ago, right? Mark Ellis was doing his live bar trivia show and everything, and me and Makuga were popping up on those, and he usually go live at 8, 7.30. There'd be nights that I'd be editing Saturday Night, Saturday night Napsuck on air with Mark, don't tell him, just to get it done and get it out. That's how much work I was putting into it. And so for all the jokes I might make as I break down uh, the walls of any kind of broadcaster character I play on this show, all the work I was putting in and the jokes I'll make about the lack of listens or views, yeah, I'd love this to be a popular show. I'd love to get, you know, 2,000 more downloads an episode. Great. Yeah, wouldn't we all? I don't. The numbers are very small. I got to tell you, from the bottom of my heart, I love doing this every week and the work I put into it. And when I'm finally done, I press schedule or I press publish and, and, and the episode goes out to the world. I'm not looking for praise. I do love it. I just, I just go into the living room and I relax and I feel as though I've done something that I've always wanted to do. I'm not lying. This is what I did when I was 14. I'd sit in a room, the tape deck and a boom box, and a little microphone attached to the boom box so I could record things off the, off the uh, tape deck. It was a clock radio. And I'd come up with little characters, come up with bits. I had a producer character. I'd talk to him on air, and I'd always mess up. It was the bumbling, foolish host. And the producer was the one who had the answers, but never got the credit. And I'd do these stupid little sketches and I'd tape them and put them on my cassette tape and I'd, I'd just have them. And I wish to God I still had them. I don't know where they are. I don't know wherever they went. One went to a friend of mine who moved away at the end of ninth grade in the summer and I made him a special one uh, he and his family listened to on the ride up to Oregon uh, or Colorado, uh, I think they went to first. Um, it's not lost on me that this right now is what I'm doing. I am in my room recording my silly little show, my silly little voices, and it's fun. This was a long ramble, but I mean it from the bottom of my heart. A lot of you every week give me great encouragement, give me great feedback, and you tell me how much you love Saturday Night Napsack. This best of is looking at the first 25 episodes, but really it's about 10 of those. The show has changed dramatically. I looked at the formats from episode 10 and 11, and things to then to now have changed, and it's con- going to continue to grow. It's the best, and you're the best. So without further ado, I'm sorry I got, I'm sorry I got serious, but I'm actually moved, and this has been more fun than I thought it would be to go back and put some stuff over the last few months, things that I've worked on. Some things you love might not be here. Guess what? This is only volume one. And I can't wait to see what other stupid things I do here on this show. Let's get on with the show. Oh, wait. We're 15 minutes in. We're here, Ken. The show has begun. Let's hear some clips. Roll it. 
I'm Doug Hickman for SNN Lockdown Sports here are the sports headlines making news this week. The battle in the front yard is raging as two common squirrels have been fighting over a coveted space beneath a local pine tree for two straight days. Observers are calling this the most fierce squirrel scrap since the great battle of the trash bag in Canal Fulton, Ohio back in 1988. A battle that saw two squirrels have to retire because of their injuries. This modern-day masterpiece of squirrel-on-squirrel violence is proving to be just as intense. The first squirrel, known as Chester, had an early advantage over his rival Puff the Magic Rodent, but lost the advantage with the, when a local crow tried to swoop in and steal Chester's nutstash. Puff the Magic Rodent ended the first night with the tactical advantage with squirrel expert Joseph Scrim saying he has not seen a squirrel so secure in the claiming of this territory since Minnesota squirrel legend Fats Calhoun spent three years in the same tree just outside a St. Paul YMCA. The second day began with a sneak attack from Chester that a local cat called worthy of my admiration if I gave a damn but I don't, I'm a cat. Both squirrels took leads throughout the second day of combat despite two local residents watching from the living room window and giggling like five-year-olds going to the zoo for the first time. This is a serious battle, folks. Night two has come to a close with the pine tree in question still up for We'll have your update tomorrow on SNN Lockdown Sports. I'm Doug Hickman. Sock of YouTube movie discussion fame. You might remember me from such videos as uh, what do we think about this fifth Batman v Superman teaser poster and five things you need to know about Herbie Fully Loaded. And I'm here to ignite your passions as a film fan because it's time, friends. It's time. Yes, it's time to release the Fleming Cut. What's the Fleming Cut? Well, that's right. MGM's 1939 picture, The Wizard of Oz, is considered a classic and for good reason. But it could have been something more. Though credited as the director, Victor Fleming was only one of many who had their hands on the formation of the film. Norman Tarog? 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 Did he chase? I think that thing killed Gandalf. Richard Thorpe and George Cukor. Kakar? I love film. They all had a hand in directing The Wizard of Oz in some way or another. But it was the legendary Victor Fleming that did the bulk of the directing. After all, three of those names were long gone from the troubled production. You, You can look it up. It's true. Now, I heard there were even some reshoots. And, you know, if there's reshoots, there's trouble. It's just fact, all right? It's just fact. Now, for years, the final film was believed to be Fleming's vision and and his alone. But that's a lie. That's a lie. Citing the need to have him replace Kukor on the equally as troubled Gone with the Wind shoot, Fleming was removed from The Wizard of Oz by MGM. Removed, I say. And secretly replaced by King Vidor, who I do believe was in contention for the Iron Throne. Now, Vidor was a former newsreel a cameraman turned snitch on possible commies. Vidor finished The Wizard of Oz, and for decades we've been told he did it as a favor to his friend Fleming. But now I'm here to tell you that the powers at Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer, who I believe are Pete Metro, Gus Goldie-Goldwyn, and singer-songwriter John Mayer, removed Fleming for nefarious reasons, and Vidor... Or Vidor, Vidor, was used as a puppet to complete the studio's vision of the Wizard of Oz. That's right. 
A Fleming cut exists of Wizard of Oz. In this rumored version, we get to see the Tin Man in an all-black outfit. This happened after the first costume designs for the character contained dangerous aluminum paint that killed two actors hired to play the part and seven makeup people assigned putting it on. This is uh, before unions. Or I think so. I think so. That Reddit link doesn't work anymore. There's also a rumored post-credit scene that reveals the character of Professor Marvel and uh, that he was trying to recruit a special team of heroes and that Dorothy, the Tin Man, the Lion, and the Scarecrow are all the first members of the team, thus setting up the shared Emerald City universe. Also, Dorothy kills Dr. Oz after it's learned that he sent the tornado to Kansas to stop her singing. But all of this was cut from the movie with King Vidor made to be the Patsy. Vidor delivered the studio's cut of the film, despite Fleming fighting to have his vision released. He died in 1949, never seen this come to pass. But you can join me, a true film fan, in changing that. Sign the petition at preposterouschange.org today and start using the hashtag Release the Fleming Cut as a form of terrorism against MGM studio employees. This message was paid for by the Fleming Cut Initiative with help from Manscaped, the best way to shave your junk since small scissors were invented. And now on with the show. I'm Rain McClouds, and this is your SNN Lockdown Weather Report. The sun is out in your parking garage, so make sure you put on a ton of sunscreen as you sit on the back trunk of your car, just praying to all the gods you believe in or have heard about that you don't have to go back inside your apartment. You don't want to get sunburned by this vengeful sun. It's not happy with us, trust me. Later tonight, there will be a light breeze in your pants as you sit on a Vornado home wind machine and wonder what life choice you previously made to end up getting stuck in a one-bedroom apartment with no central AC during a worldwide pandemic. There's a 65% chance that it was your decision to go to a community college and drop out after three semesters. Also, look for overnight doubt and early morning panic, which will give way to false hope that it will all be okay after your first cup of coffee. I'm Rain McClouds, and this was your SNN Lockdown Weather Report. CC, the things we do for love by request from Sir Jamie Lannister. Dedication to Cersei Lannister. All right. We understand. Hey, it's Alden Diaz here to tell you about Octo Radio. It's an interview show that I do exploring the different passionate Star Wars perspectives from artists, writers, crafters, and even other podcasters, plus even some people straight from Lucasfilm. So you can come hang out on my podcast island and celebrate the Star Wars ties that bind us together. Oh yeah, what the pork said. You can follow us everywhere on social at A-H-C-H-T-O Radio. That's Octo Radio. And follow me at A-D underscore Strider. Hey everyone, my name's Tommy Terry Green and I wanted to let you know about a podcast I produce called On The Ward. Each episode in this six-part miniseries goes behind the scenes of a secure forensic psychiatric hospital 
featuring interviews with the staff that work there every day, and most importantly, with the patients who are currently under section, which means they are legally detained for the safety of themselves and others. You can find all six episodes of Season 1 on Apple Podcasts and Spotify right now. Just search on The Ward. Thank you. Well, hello there. This is Lauren Romo, one of the co-hosts of the Gale Like the Podcast. We are two gals that just talk anything and everything within that galaxy far, far away. Come join us for the Star Wars discussions. Stay for that silliness. You can find us on Apple Pod, Spotify, Google Play, and Podbean. Follow us on Twitter at the Galactic Pod. And as always, may that force be with you. host of the failed TV show pilots What Ferrets Do in the Shadows and the Great Swap Meat Challenge. And I'm here with an important question. Won't you support some average stand-up comedians today? Social workers agree that stand-up comedians are a lost cause, but that doesn't mean you have to turn your back on them during these tough times. Every day, as this virus runs rampant, a virus that your former co-worker on Facebook has secret documents proving it's a hoax, stand-up comedians everywhere have fewer and fewer places to run to so they can work out their material, drop a sick burn, or tell it like it is. Comics are now performing in their living rooms in front of webcams or on the sidewalks in front of laundromats. Some comics have even had to turn to Instagram reels to tell their jokes. But despite this sad state of affairs, there is an opportunity to help. On September 5th, 2020, stand-up comedian Mark Ellis will put on pants for the first time since March to perform stand-up comedy live on stage at the world-famous Viper Room. River Phoenix joke removed for insensitivity reasons. You can buy tickets to watch this event from the comfort of your own home. During this lockdown, comedians like Mark have been forced to live inside their apartments with little to no furniture while being forced to eat gas station pizza to survive. Won't you help Mark Ellis today? By going to markellislive.net, you can purchase a virtual ticket to watch this event from the safety and comfort of your own home. Mark will be the one risking his health by going out into the world to tell jokes. Act now and you can get an exclusive t-shirt that will let you show the world that you've kind of heard of this professional movie trivia host. And if you act now, you won't just be helping Mark Ellis find purpose in his life, you'll be helping his friends too. This event will be hosted by me, MySpace's Ken Napsok, and old food aficionado Josh McCuga. Josh and Ken keep performing their stand-up comedy skit routines to their windows at passing FedEx drivers and squirrels. Won't you help them return to live performing? so their bits can die on stage where they belong? Go to markellislive.net today to purchase these tickets and bring meaning to the lives of stand-up comics, our country's most precious resource. A ticket today can save a laugh tomorrow. This message paid for by Mark Ellis' mom. Alabama. Love 
in the first degree right here where you can find a better variety of hits, Hall of Fame Music Radio. And my name is Ken, and I'm dedicating that song to my Sunday morning 107.5 FM counterpart, Tim Powers, because we both share a love of omelets in the first degree. That's for you, Timmy. Maybe egg whites next time. We'll work on it. Coming up, the Rolling Stones are going to have a nervous breakdown right here, 107.5 FM. And now here's another true fact about your host, Ken Napsok. He has fallen asleep in the shower twice, and he puts it on his resume on his skills. And now, on with the show. You know, recently we celebrated 200 episodes of the Napsok Files proper, the main show, the one that launched this podcast feed. And we had a lot of wonderful messages from a lot of you out there. And it meant a lot for you to take the time to call in and let let me know what you felt about the show. Well, one of them didn't make it in time. And you know what? We're, we're, we're not going to let that just sit on the table. We're going to play this one here. And thank you again, every one of you who called in. All right. Roll that clip. Hey, Ken, it's Sarah Risley. I just wanted to say congratulations on 200 episodes. I just can't... Wait, what? Oh, we're, we're counting episode 43? I'm... Oh, I, I missed it? Oh, crap. Well, congratulations on 201 episodes, Ken. In, uh, in all seriousness, I just want to thank you for your continued message of inclusion and kindness, the incredible community that you've created, and the Discord and the Patreon community, and all of the times that you've got me to laugh when I didn't think that was possible. And I hope, just like everyone else, for another 200. Thanks. Okay, but who let that on air? Because first of all, that's not true. I, am, I do not do any of those nice things. Okay, so let's, that's a lie. And two, it's late. Sarah Risley was late. We had a deadline by the 200th episode. When I asked for praise, I want it on time. And then, she, you know, no one wants to count episode 43. It's just no bull roar, man. What, what, how did that make air? Petey? Petey, answer me. How did, what? What? Uh, you're, uh, you're on air right now. We, this is a taped show. It's a taped show. How, how could, what? You, uh, we go live to tape on your orders. That you, that's your, uh, that's your rule that you do. Holy son of a... Um, well, then roll, roll the music. Oh, thank you, Sarah. That was a wonderful message, and I can't wait for 200 more episodes as well. Saturday Night Knapsack rolls on. I'm Ken Napsok. You might remember me from such corporate training videos as Checked and Secured, a guide to better understanding fire riser inspection sheets and the legal way to empty your break room's refrigerator. And I'm here to speak to you today about a serious problem, and more importantly, the solution. Every day, thousands of exclamation points are needlessly lost to emails, text messages, social media posts, and parody PSA clips. The excessive use of exclamation points may have begun as a simple way to help express tone and intent in our modern forms of communication in which humans go to great lengths to avoid direct human-to-human interaction. An occasional exclamation point can no doubt help convey a lighthearted tone. 
You can let someone know you're absolutely excited to attend their baby shower or have a positive attitude towards the items they brought up in their email about your job performance. But as humanity's inability to communicate with each other on a day-to-day basis has continued to spiral out of control, the exclamation point finds itself in a dangerous place. Scientists estimate that by 2028, most of the world's exclamation point population will be gone. Some researchers suggest that number will be as high as an 84% reduction in this once revered punctuation mark. But you can help. Adopt an exclamation point today. For as little as $1.42 a month, the cost of one condom at a gas station, you could support an exclamation point in need through the United Exclamation Recovery Fund, or YERF. Your money will not only go toward the protection and growth of a young exclamation point, but also toward the education of humans on the importance of reducing the use of this form of tone clarification. But we get it. You're not being angry or sarcastic. With your support, you'll receive a postcard and a picture of the exclamation point you adopted each month to help track the progress and giving you something to hang on your refrigerator so you can brag to your friends about how better you are at helping the world at large. You'll also get a newsletter updating you on the efforts of YERF around the world and information on future events so that you can be sure to be busy on that day. If you act now and choose to support an exclamation point today, you'll also receive a bumper sticker to put on your car and lower its resale value. We can't live in a world without exclamation points, but if we don't address the problem, we will be facing a world where our sentences will be devoid of excitement, joy, and an over-eager sense of anticipation. Don't let this happen. Support YERF today. I mean, support YERF today. I'm Ken Napsok. Thanks for listening. And now it's time for a check of traffic with the SNN Traffic Report. Ah, uh, yeah, thanks, Ken. This is Bert Burton. Uh, we got our SNN traffic report right now. Looking down at the freeway right now, we've got some jamming across all lanes as most of the drivers are just slowly moving down the highway, unsure of where they're going. They only know that they needed to get out of their houses before the lockdown takes their very soul. I understand you just keep staring into nothing. This, of course, makes it one of the only times in history in which the fastest car on the road is a Prius. Enjoy it while last hippies uh, pass on the left pass on the left. The canyon roads are looking safe thanks to a jackass moped driver putting along at 8 miles per hour for a joyride that's turned into a nightmare for the 12 cars stuck behind him on a no-pass road. The beaches are where the problems are as all roads to those beaches are clogged with large amounts of families, friends, and horny college kids heading to the sandy shores convinced that they're the only ones that won't catch COVID. Give yourself a lot of drive time if you're heading that way. I don't know, maybe just turn around. And finally, we're heading over to a reported accident on the boulevard. We got reports saying a mask wearer and a face liberator have collided and are now blaming each other for the same problem. We'll keep you updated once we get over the scene, Ken. SNN Traffic is brought to you by Big Dicks Used Mattresses. Don't pay high prices for a good night's sleep when you can just grab something from Big Dicks. They have over three locations to serve you. I'm Bert. Burton, and that was SNN Traffic. It's time for the list. 
today, we've got the best ways to hurt yourself. Number three. Put on your jeans before 9 a.m. after the age of 40. Number two. Say to yourself, this chair will hold me as you try to reach something. Number one. And the best way to hurt yourself, trust in another human. Clink, clink. And that's the list. with everyone's favorite doctor from Bakersfield, California, Dr. Lancaster. Hello, and welcome to the Village Doctor segment of this prepared audio program. I'm Dr. Lancaster, and I have three locations to best serve you in the greater Bakersfield area. I have over 50 years of medical experience and graduated at the top of my class after they let me keep trying. Recently, I asked the fine people listening to write out letters detailing any and all of your medical needs, and I would endeavor to answer them. To my surprise, no one wrote me letters, but instead used an electronic communication machine to send me a voice recording with their questions. I normally don't advocate trying new technologies because I work in the medical field where things always need to stay the same, but I'm excited to hear from all of you. So, the help of the producer provided to me by Saturday Night Napsok, his name is Peter, Peter, Petey, Petey, we're going to hear this first voice recording. Press, uh, Press the play button, okay. I'm going to press it now. Here we go. I'm pressing the play button. Not that hard. What do I? Okay. Lightly. Okay. Yes. uh, Hello, Dr. Lancaster. My name is Hank Beckett, and I have seen on my TV programs that these Hydrox cookies, I believe they're called Hydroxies for short, are a potential cure for the coronavirus. So what I did was I went to my local save and go and I bought several bags of these Hydrox cookies. And I was surprised to see how many were still available, you know, considering how fast everyone went and snatched up all the toilet paper. But anyhow, my wife and I have been eating one Hydrox cookie a day to keep the COVID away. So please give me your thoughts on that strategy as a trained medical professional. Thank you, sir. All right. Thank you. Is that, that they heard that on the program. Okay. Hank, thank you so much for your call. And I'll get right to the point. Yes, this is true. Hydrox cookies can be used as an effective means to stave off the COVID cold. Though some reports have surfaced. Not many are reporting on this because it's not being widely accepted as fact. Many want to hold out for more testing. Increased testing in the medical field only leads to more confusion about how best to treat people. I abhor the additional testing crowds. During my weekly bloodletting sessions with patients, I'm reminded of what one of my teachers said to me back in medical school. Herbert Hoover is going to regret the day that he pressed his ear to that new fandangled radio. But the best way to cure ear rot 
from radio waves entering your ear canals is and will always be leeches. That was one of my professors. So because of that, I still treat earaches with leeches to this day. It's also leeches. It's also a good way to determine if a young lady has lost her virtue before God intends because the leeches will uh, reject sinful blood and demon sperm. Now, you may say, Dr. Lancaster, Hydrox cookies sound like a new treatment for a new virus. You will be surprised to learn that Hydrox cookies were first introduced in 1908 and have been used since then to cure many ills. And my mother used them for rewards when me or one of my 12 siblings would slaughter a cow without crying. Hank, I also want to commend you for buying up as many Hydrox cookies as possible. Soon there will be a rush on these items and you don't want to be left behind. I say grab what you can now and sell the rest later. Now also, Hank, to use Hydrox cookies effectively, you have to inject the cookies cream filling straight into your urethra so that the cream finds purchase in your soil in the quickest way possible. If you're not sure how best to do this, just schedule an appointment with Beatrice at the front desk as we have an ample supply of injection skewers to use. Thank you for your voice recording. Now we have one more. I got. I think I have a handle on this, Peter. Okay, here we go. Hello, uh, Dr. Lancaster. Uh, thank you for taking my call. Uh, this is Harold Palmer, and I um. Oh, ah, this is hard to talk about, Doc. But um, ooh, you know, as I am getting older, as I'm maturing, uh, I'm having a hard time. Um, oh, ah, so embarrassing. I'm having a hard time uh, rising to the occasion. And I was wondering what your suggestion would be to remedy this. Uh, would you recommend uh, me seeking out pharmaceutical help? Or would you recommend a more hands-on approach and perhaps some homeopathic medicine um, or techniques? Uh, oh, uh, please help me, Doc. All right, Harry. Uh, Harold, or we'll call you Harry Palmer. Uh, first, I appreciate the discreet way in which you inquired about your mancock problem. It took me a few listens, for sure, to gather that you weren't talking about having trouble getting out of bed, but instead, you were experiencing a problem that many men face. As age constantly moves us forward, Gentlemen of a certain age will find that their sexual erections that were once virile enough to be used in flagpole-sitting contests now lack the vigor needed to have their wives help them bring physical pleasure and spiritual confirmation of their societal position. While the tendency is to be ashamed, there is no need to remove your marital intercourse blanket in shame. There are ways to heal. As for some of the methods you suggested, I don't think there is anything strong enough at the pharmacy to increase the sexual attractiveness of your wife. She'll have to work harder to make this right again. I suggest 
that perhaps she purchased some erotic hosiery or let you lay with your housekeeper as suggested in the Bible. Sometimes all you need to take is a walk in a new park. As for a homeopathic method, I'm not sure that is the best course of action in the eyes of our Lord, but the occasional sword fight has been known to work for some who find that their blade needs sharpening. I'm not one for swinging from that side of the batter's box, but my college roommate Pedro would always brush away the hair from my eyes and tell me in his alluring Puerto Rican accent that sometimes it's okay to reach first base any way you can. So maybe he was right. You also mentioned taking matters into your own hands, but that might be the problem. I read a pamphlet in my early days of my medical practice warning that a man only has a finite number of sexual releases in his body and he should use them sparingly. I maintain that that is true and suggest that you follow that line of thinking. But then finally, finally, when all else fails, I suggest this, Harry. Use two discarded popsicle sticks and scotch tape as a sort of frame to hold up your tower. While most women don't find that to be pleasurable, most of them are too bored to take umbrage. Good luck to both Hank and Harry Palmer. That brings to a close this particular episode of The Village Doctor with me, Dr. Lancaster. The science of medical treatments may change, but I don't. Come on out to our three office locations now. We're in the heart of Bakersfield. Just take the five freeway until you think the cows are about to say something. And that's where we are. Come on down, get a free sucker, and schedule an appointment today. Also, I've been instructed to tell you by the producer of this radio program. If you have any questions or concerns that you would like answered, please reach out to us here at The Village Doctor. Goodbye. And here is another weekly commentary from Mort Rooney. Have you ever thought that it's time we face the fact that a large percentage of forks don't do their job? And by all accounts, they're considered to be a staple of table settings everywhere. But the more I think about it, I don't think they're quite living up to the high standards we've been led to believe forks have for themselves. They're always falling out of bowls, hitting the floor with a taunting thud as your meatball is flung across the room. I once stabbed my mouth with a fork. A spoon would never do that. And don't say I should use a spork. Sporks are the utensils of the ignorant. Choose a side and don't choose forks. Have you ever thought if aliens are real, then I don't want to make my bed anymore? That way, if I'm abducted, people look at my unmade bed as a sign that my day was interrupted. A made bed leaves no clues. And speaking of clues, I have no clue why I have never thought about heating up my slippers in the microwave until yesterday. The hard part is putting them out, but after that, your feet are warm and comfortable which is all we want out of life, to be warm and comfortable, which is exactly 
what the fork works against. Seriously, I once put a fork in a bowl of salad, got up to get myself some insure, and the fork flung the salad across the living room like it was a trebuchet in a medieval siege of my rival's castle. I found a cherry tomato on my daybed six weeks after the incident. Rest in peace to the great Regis Philbin. I never would have thought that the day would come when all my friends packed up and left the campsite before me. Regis was a classic broadcaster, real-life nice guy, and a believer in spoons. That's why we got along. I know when you got to heaven, Regis, St. Peter asked if that was your final answer. That's not a great joke, but I stand by it. Have you ever thought that if aliens are real, what will they think about forks? So primitive, rudimentary. It's as if the cavemen of our past created something and millions of years later, we as a society have said, put a pin in this idea, we'll get back to it later. We can improve almost every little convenience in our day-to-day lives, but the way we stuff tuna noodle casserole into our mouths is just going to be the same. Unbelievable. Now think about that. That was Mort Rooney. More later. July 17, 1955, Walt Disney opened up his theme park passion project on top of an orange juice stand in Anaheim, California, and called it Disneyland so he wouldn't forget how to spell it. Millions of people watched the opening from the comfort of their homes on a relatively new invention called the television receiver box, which would eventually be replaced by handheld telephones with a screen on them. Calling his front for a secret Nazi operation space in America the happiest place on Earth, Walt beamed with pride as thousands of patrons stormed the theme park not realizing they were all part of an experiment to see how easily humans can be led into a gift shop. Though the day is fondly remembered by adults that live alone and collect enamel pins of Mickey Mouse as the grand opening of one of the world's most visited vacation spots, it was marred by tragedy when some parkgoers were sucked through melted asphalt and spent years lost in tunnels beneath the park. But never one to let anything get him down, Walt Disney pressed on, and today Disneyland generates more money than 13 states, most small European countries, and has its own standing army ready to join the fight when the frozen head of Walt returns to lead the Fourth Reich into war. All this and more happened on This Week in History. And that's it, my friends. That is the show. Saturday Night Napsuck, Best of Volume 1. Dear God, I hope the world lasts long enough for me to get to Volume 2. I have to thank a lot of folks that make this possible. That is everyone who supports me on Patreon.com slash And a special shout-out to my high-tier patrons. All of them at the executive producer level that have supported me during this run. That includes Thomas Risley, Lethal Logan Ecuador, Kyle Harlow, Matt Thompson, Tay Moore, and Abdul Buddha, and Nathan Ovendale, Zach Anderson, Ty Schallenberger, Chad Benningfield, Tommy Terry Green, Jonas Bergen, Andrew Seiner, Old Handsaw, Zach Taylor, Tyler Birch, Ranger Donald, and Ferris Muthana. Thank you to executive producer supporters, past, present, and future. As always, if you want to support me, you can go to catnapsack.com uh, and click to uh, over to the Patreon page, patreon.com slash catnapsack. Special thanks to Kyle Harlow, who's contributed uh, some sketches and some concepts to Saturday Night Napsack over the last uh, few weeks and, and more to come there. Uh, I also, also want to thank all of, all of you who have sent me 
station identification and pre-rolls. That's part of the tier seven and eight on Patreon and uh, six, actually. Uh, check those high tiers and you can uh, hear your voice identifying this here station and making a joke at my expense before the show. I really have to give a big thanks to Sean Arnold. We call him Old Handsaw around these parts. Old Handsaw is a listener, you know, a quote-unquote fan. And then, uh, you know, every once in a while, you just kind of find someone who uh, you connect with. And Sean and I actually met in person out in D.C. I do believe it was D.C. You know, I travel so much with Mr. Mark Ellis and Glenn. There's life sometimes we know it was D.C. Uh, Sean has contributed to the show by in a big way by designing... The thumbnail, the logo, the Saturday Night Knapsack font, which was originally a Saturday Night Special. He did a great job with the Saturday Night Special one. And I wrote it back and said, can you change this? Thanks. Sean also pulls the clips of my real-life radio show. That's me on the radio, as most of you know. Sean pulls them. I can't even hear the show because it's over in Newcastle, Pennsylvania. He grabs it over there in North, uh, North Carolina and edits them, puts them all together, and sends them over, posts them in the Discord for those who are... Um, in the dedications, and I get to pull them and put them into the show. He he did that without asking. He did that. I love his heart. Uh, and uh, though we we uh, talk often of compensation, he rebuffs it. For now, I'm going to force some money into his wallet. Uh, but uh, they, they really help make the show. They really just uh, are great bookends for the segments. And, and I can't appreciate Sean enough for what he does uh, in helping with that and other things around these parts. You can listen to me on that radio program at 107.5 FM, WLDJ, Newcastle, Pennsylvania, and anywhere through their, uh, throughout the world through their website at hofmradio.com. I am on every Saturday morning. It was 6 a.m. to 10, but I do believe that's changing to 8 a.m. to noon. Visit KenAppsock.com again for more information. Follow us on Twitter at me at KenAppsock or MDriveMedia. And as always, if you love what you hear, or even if you kind of like it, be sure to tell a friend about Saturday Night Napsock. We'll see you next time, friends. Bye.